Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline.com. And this is Doc Talk where normally Matt and I will talk about documentaries, but this week we have a show that actually requires um, substance. We are, are talking with uh, two of the programmers, and I'm actually going to gonna stop right there because I'm going to get their, their actual titles wrong, but we're running up this time of year to the Sundance Film Festival, and if there's probably one festival that is most nexus with documentaries and really launching some incredible docs. It's the Sundance Film Festival. And as I understand, this is the 40th edition Yes, of the Sundance Film Festival. A lot of people might say it's the 40th anniversary, but they would be wrong. It's the 40th edition. <laughs> yes, 1985. Of the Sundance International <laughs> Film Festival. And who are, we, who are we speaking with, Matt and Carey? Well, with Basil Tsiokos, who's a senior programmer. And uh, with Sudeep Sharma, who's a programmer at Sundance. It's not only them who choose the films that are premiering in competition and elsewhere in the festival, but they are their key players in it and tastemakers and super well-informed about everything that's going on in the doc world. You said it. Two individuals who are part of a team who are really launching docs, but two of the most humble gentlemen, um, to try to get them to accept a compliment is kind of like... <laughs> trying to get my my wife to read the comic books that I write. It just ain't going to happen. Um, two amazing individuals. This is Basil Sikos and Sudeep Sharma from the Sundance International Film Festival. Fans of documentary are very much looking forward to the Sundance Film Festival, it is the most important festival, I think, and I'm sure many would agree, for documentary. And we are thrilled to be joined by Basil Sioko, senior programmer at Sundance, and by programmer Sudeep Sharma. Thanks for being with us on Doc Talk. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Before we get into some of the specific films that are playing in competition or premiering at the festival, this is a major anniversary for you. This, this is a big Sundance. They're all big. <laughs> but this one has uh, a special resonance to it. This is the 40th edition, right? Uh, yeah, it's our 40th edition. Um, we are so excited to have people back at the uh, back in the mountain this year in Park City and in Salt Lake City uh, to celebrate these films with us. Really exciting times. I got a chance to talk with you just as the lineup was being announced, and you noted that there was really a, a balance between some familiar names great names in documentary film and also newcomers. A lot of our films are from first-time filmmakers every year, but we also have, especially in documentary filmmakers coming back who are, you know, well-known to doc lovers and are still making amazing work. And so we, we are mindful of trying to have space for everybody. Yeah, and every year there's something new and exciting to experience in the documentary section of Sundance. And just as an example of that, I was going through the short list of documentary films and for the Oscars, 
Every year, Sundance is very, very well represented. No different this year going to Mars, for instance, and the Eternal Memory, which both won the big grand jury prizes last January are in the Oscar race. So projecting ahead, uh, that's very likely to happen again. But as you look at the program, just we don't want to necessarily play favorites or anything, but I'm sure there's some that, that leap to mind for you that are, are ones that, that seem very special and that you want people to know about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we definitely do not play, play favorites. And for us, success <laughs> means lots of different things. So, you know, nominations and shortlists and all that are absolutely fantastic for filmmakers, but we don't necessarily expect every film to make that. And that's not a, a measure of success for every film. That said, certainly there are some really outstanding films this year that we wouldn't be surprised if they stand out through the whole year and on the festival circuit and through release. Um, I can mention Frida, for example, which is Carla Gutierrez's uh, first film as a director. She's a really well-known documentary editor. Um, that one we expect uh, folks are going to absolutely fall in love with. It is just a, such a strong film. And that's uh, Amazon Studios is behind that. That's correct. Yep, it's one of the Amazon one of the films. MGM Studios, I should <laughs> yes. say. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's one of and, one and of unless the. Unless you read the trades this morning, I, I don't know. I'll <laughs> do respect. Fair, fair to enough. Jeff uh, hey, fair I just enough. we're talking about the business. Right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. But I interrupted you, basically. Yeah. No, no worries. Um, yeah, it's that that one. I think is is quite special. Um, I mean, we we love all these films. That's why we selected them, so we could point out many of them. But City Bunch, you throw one uh, that you you are particularly fond of well i you know it's always it's it's not just a cop-out answer i feel like it's it's hard because part of the magic of the festival is that the films play and then they go out into the world and every year i think we're very blessed that a lot of the films do get attention but it's very difficult to predict i think how people interact with movies and the stories that they'll take from them and and they um you know just the experience of watching them and like a film like um, All That Breeds from last year. Uh, that was one of our favorite films. We love that movie. But you never know how people will respond to a movie and that the see that success was just really... Was, it's still surprising, even though it's an amazing film. Yeah, Shonak Sen went on to earn an Oscar nomination. That's a magnificent film. Well chosen <laughs> by you. I thoroughly applaud you for that. You know, journalists, of course, always want to look at themes. Ah, what is the program telling us about the state of society or our culture? And, you know, maybe that's a little bit unfair because you don't know what you're going to receive in terms of submissions. And by the same token, I think documentary filmmakers are, all, are often ahead of the curve and thinking about things that the general public or even people in um, areas of, of media are not necessarily thinking about. And one of those themes is, is AI. And there's several documentaries, also narrative films, that where AI is the theme. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's something that emerged organically. I mean, it's obviously something in the zeitgeist that people are talking about, but there are a handful of films this year that really do stand out, um, focusing on not only AI, but also just our connection with technology even. Um, so it's it's kind of broad, a little bit more broad than AI. But uh, for example, Eternal You in a world cinema documentary competition is very much about sort of the use of technology and and, and how we connect to it and how the sort of promise and also the pitfalls of it as it relates to ha helping us connect with those that have passed on already. In Love Mahina, similar themes in a way, um, but that one is also about trying to extend a consciousness into infinity and in fact trying to extend a love story into the, into the future. Both really fascinating films that have an interesting dialogue with one another. So we were really excited to see different filmmakers approach these in very different ways as well. 
And Seeking Mavis Bacon also, in, in a sense, plays into that theme. Absolutely, yeah. And in terms of the, you know, less AI, but more technology and in the way that we relate to it, see ourselves represented in it or don't, um, and what that means for us. And in that case, in particular, representations of underrepresented people, um, in this case, uh, an African woman um, who is represented in a technology, piece of technology. So really just fascinating work that, uh, you know, that we love that it, that they're all taking different angles on these different connections between humanity and technology. Um, so really looking forward to having p- audiences engage with them. So Sudeep, I have a question for you, and I'm not trying to Jake Tapper you, but on that, there was an interview you gave a couple of years ago, and you said in there, there are some subjects that grab the world's attention and are important, but I think because of that, there are lots of people telling that same story, and they're all valuable, but the challenge is being unique. So for you, when you're looking at this and understanding that, it's really important to have these stories out there, but at the same time, you, you can't program the same way all the time. How do you look at them and say, look, this is a filmmaker who really is unique, not better, not worse, but unique in in how they're putting things out. This is a story that's important, but we need to find versions of each of those to actually have a festival. I, I'm really flattered that you read something that I was talking about. Uh, By the way, I also read that you, when everybody else was talking about their double features and they were doing all these art house crap, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. So, so yes, yeah. you're my hero. <laughs> Thank you. I love those movies. All they're going to pull out of that, by the way, is John Ridley said art house crap. So that'll be the... <laughs> anyway, I, I posed a question. Well, I, you know, I, I think something I've said before, too, is that what I, I love about documentaries is that they're about the real world, you know, and the real world's endlessly fascinating. And and I think that part of that for us is Basil and I are part of a team. We, we And the way we, we also program, there's like 13 feature programmers at the festival. And we are all watching stuff with submissions. We're all talking about them. And so like, you know, really what drives is our interest as a group, you know, and our discussions with each other. And I think that every year it's a very dynamic process where we are also people in the world and we are aware of things that are happening. But then we're also watching these films and we are thinking, like, what do we want to include at the festival? There's so many different factors that we keep. We don't have like a list. We, we just are we're trying to talk about it. But like it is things like filmmaking, subject, approach, the people you meet in the films, they are definitely broad, like war, conflict, global warming, these types of things. But I think that we are looking at what is actually touching us and, and actually affecting us. And and that's going to be different for different people, I think. And I think that we know that and we try to balance all those forces together and try to come up with um, films and a program that speaks to that. Part of the 40th edition here, there are two films that you're going to be screening that really, I think... For anybody who knows documentaries, these are two very seminal documentaries. One is Dig, the other, The Life and Times of Harvey Milk, which if people have not seen that, it's extraordinary. And to look at it years later and to understand that we're still dealing with those issues, but maybe deal with them a little better because we see these things, that's what it's all about. And I praise you and everyone else for that. We're also, and this is where I'm really not trying to put you on a spot, but We're in a space right now where, particularly in the art world, people seem to have a real difficult time even talking about the things that we need to talk about and understanding that many things can be true at the same time. And if we don't talk about them and really 
listen and maybe not even necessarily agree, but if we're not talking about this, we're not going to get anywhere. In a space where we urgently need individuals like yourself saying, look, we're going to program things and they're from around the world and they're from many perspectives and they're about, and I hate to use that phrase, lived experiences, but it's a phrase. How are you preparing or maybe even not preparing and saying, look, this is what we do. And if you have an issue with it, that's your issue because 40 years from now, we need to have films like Dig or All That Breathes or Harvey Milk to celebrate because if we don't, you know, the universe will be here tomorrow. We probably won't be. We do have huge expectations for for movies and even a festival like this to like to do everything. And I think that we tried as much as possible to have an open mind and an open heart about about approaching these things. And, you know, like the Harvey Milk example, that is an amazing, it's I to me a seminal documentary too. It's just my experience watching it. And it's funny over time, like the things the film is talking about, it is still relevant, but there are people who just don't know that history. They just don't know about that proposition. What, what is a third? Um, the 76. I the one that was, yeah, that was trying to ban. Yeah, it was something Anita Bryant was behind it. Um, they were trying to, yes. uh, anyone who was deemed homosexual could not teach, could not educate. Yes. Um, in the state of California, at the time, people were concerned this was going to pass. 76%, uh, it wasn't Prop 70, but about 76% of the people in California stood up for it. But as you say, if we don't know that, a lot of young people think, oh, uh, LGBTQ rights, uh, Black Lives Matter, things like that. Oh, this is a new thing. Woke, quote unquote, woke. Yes. Oh, that that's a new thing yes. when it's not. Totally. So, Proposition 6, I believe. You know, it's an inspiring story because that also was defeated, you know, like, and I, and I think that like, people, you know, in some ways it's like feeling, yes, we need to move forward. We need to have other conversations. But I, I think sometimes it is important to also know where we're coming from and what the past is. And also that perspective is also tied to that past. The the expectations we have for, for um, how we should talk about that, I think at some level we do need some kind of baseline, some kind of like knowledge of what occurred or what these stories are and how they were talked at that time. And, you know, I, I think that by working in arts, we have working in this type of space, people have voices, people have voices that matter, and there's going to be conflict. And I, and I think that um, what we can do is try to have a space where people can present films to an audience that will be open to, to that experience and what's happening or what they're talking about. I think that the the key point for me, and, and Sadiq mentioned it, is that we are driven by stories. Like that, that's sort of the the nature of what Sundance does. Is we are there to amplify the stories that we are responding to in submissions through filmmakers. And some of those stories, we you know, we think those stories are going to connect with audiences. Now, not everybody's going to agree with every single perspective that each filmmaker has, but we provide the platform for a discussion to happen around those stories. And we provide a platform for people to have engaged debate, conversation, as long as it's respectful, it's not harmful. But that that's kind of the role that we play. We And we recognize that and we take it seriously that we are helping to usher these films into the world. And so we stand behind the filmmaker's ability and right to tell these stories and, and for the spotlight that we put on them. So what happens after that is up to people to discuss, and, and we are there to help facilitate that. Yeah, let's talk about uh, some of the films that are certainly stand out. Many of them are in their premiere section, which includes documentaries and narrative films. But one that is super intriguing is Will and Harper. And Will, in this case, in the title, 
is Will Ferrell and his very <laughs> longtime friend, Harper, who came out as trans. This is directed by Josh Greenbaum, who's really a wonderful filmmaker and has done a lot of, which is somewhat unusual in documentary films that are both nonfiction and humorous. So I suspect that there's some humor in here, but, uh, you know, overall, uh, certainly a, a serious theme, uh, particularly at this time when the rights of trans people are, are under such uh, political scrutiny, shall we say. Absolutely. And and to your first point, with a film with Will Ferrell involved, absolutely. There's funny elements to it, for sure. <laughs> uh, it, you cannot get away from that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we really responded to this film with this idea that it is a film about allyship in a big way. The film exists in this space where Will and Harper give each other permission to ask questions and to ask those questions that maybe are uncomfortable or that you don't think are appropriate necessarily to ask. But because of their longtime friendship, they are willing to sort of engage on that level. And through that experience and through their own experience going cross-country, um, helping people to open up their perspectives on their own sort of ideas around what a trans person's life is, um, what leads them to uh, come out as trans and, and embrace that identity. And so for that reason, I, I think it's a really fascinating film that um, especially for us makes sense to show in a, in a state that may have some issues around uh, trans rights, maybe a little bit l less uh, liberal uh, in terms of political persuasions. And so I, I think it's a really important film for, um, for audiences to come to with an open mind. And Will Ferrell, given who he is and the approach he takes with humor, helps sort of make that movement a little easier, I think, on people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and also there's the premiere of the film about Christopher Reeve, Superman, which um, is going to be very moving, I'm sure. That movie is, yes, it's incredibly moving. And I think that the person that Christopher Reeves was is, is you know, his passing has been, it's almost 20 years. I think there's a new generation of people who maybe just did not even know the details of his life and or, or just kind of know really broad strokes but like the i think the film is so powerful because it shows him as a you know a full person and his whole life and it is absolutely you know a world ironic situation that he was superman he was playing maybe the most iconic comic book hero and he became a paraplegic. And but his own grace and his own um, his own use of of that event to keep working and to keep advocating for things he cared about is is pretty powerful. It's it's a very moving story, obviously, but it's it's really is the the power of an individual to affect change, in no matter what is and and in the scope of what his life was like, it's it's pretty um, pretty incredible. So yeah, and his kids are are in the film. Yeah, I, I mean, like, and I think they're very honest. And it's not just sad; it's just that they also are looking back on what his life was like, and and with the things at their own their own youth growing up, but also just how he himself faced the things that he was facing, and the choices he was making. It's it's a really um, you know the archival footage that they provide, 
is pretty incredible. There were so many things about, like, another thing I'll just mention about it, too, it's that with his kids being involved is that his friendship with um, Robin Williams is a big part of it, too, which I, I did not know anything about. And it's, uh, it's a really incredible uh, friendship that they had. And, and it was a real friendship, you know, like, and it was, it's really quite, quite an amazing film. Yeah, John, I, I think of you with uh, superhero movies. You have strong feelings about Marvel, for instance. I love the Superman movies. Oh, listen. With Chris Reeve. And that, yeah, again, they had humor in it. I don't know if you can see the stuff behind me. I'm, I write graphic <laughs> novels. Listen, I will say this. Um, I know that film is going to be incredibly emotional. On the positive side of that, I remember my father taking me to the movie theater and watching Superman. I have a framed Christopher Reeve Superman poster at my parents' home. We don't often at times ask for certain things, but everything you've said to... To be in a circumstance, and, 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 and this is not of my choosing, but what can I do with it, and how can I... Um, you know, I believe he said one time, and I don't want to put things, he said, you know, I'm still one of the luckiest people because people are aware of me, and, and people know me, and I'm famous. There are other people who struggle with this every single day but don't have that advantage, and that's remarkable, and continue to work and did some uh, work on Smallville, both as an actor and I believe as a director as well, and that's really amazing. I have a, a, a question. This I'm, I am going to direct towards towards Basil um, because I did research on you too. Uh oh. <laughs> and this is a question going back um, many many years ago. You were the artistic director of New Fest, the New York Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Film Festival. You left that, I believe, around was it 2008 or so. Just talking about it at that time, you gave sort of an exit interview to IndieWire and just talking about the state of the business then and the lack of support and funding and talking about foundations. Founding can be invaluable, but oftentimes people look for new funding or money, and but forgetting, hey, we already have programs in place and we need to fund that. I, I would say, obviously, and maybe not, you know, Sundance is probably well-funded and doing very well. But I'm curious from you and actually from both of you about the state of the industry. You know, a couple of years ago, Boys State did very well in terms of sales. And by the way, great film. The filmmakers are friends of the show. We think they're phenomenal. I believe Girl State is there. Is that correct? Girl State is there. Yep. So yep. Can, I'm excited to see that. But what is for you, and I know it's not all about the business, but it is about the business. What is the state of the business in terms of it blew up, big players were getting in, money was thrown around, expectations were high. Now we hear from many terrific filmmakers with great films, you know, whether it was Beyond Utopia, what I love, King Cole that I love, great films, but hard to find a space for it. Yeah, people do it because they love it. People do it because it's necessary, but they can't do it without funds or money. What is the state in terms of funding and what is the state in terms of expectations of if you don't get a big deal, you, somehow you failed? And I think, Basil, you said earlier, it's not failure to tell a story. It's only a perception of failure if it doesn't sell. Great question. And, and of course, everyone in this industry is, is reckoning with what's been going on within all parts of the industry, both on the fiction and nonfiction side, to be honest. Um, you know, we've been going through ebb and, ebbs and flows with the industry. And, and, you know, we've been in what people have called the, the documentary golden age for a while. But it's hard to it's hard to deny that there are struggles right now. Um, you know, we we will say that while film certainly didn't have the same kind of marketplace at the festival this past year, um, at least in terms of immediate acquisitions, 
a, a lot of titles did get sold eventually. Um, maybe they weren't getting the, the top, top dollar that you maybe would have seen pre-pandemic, but the world has changed. Um, and as you said, the, the marketplace has also changed. The way the distributors function, the way that the streamers function have all changed. All that said, I mean, I think that filmmakers have taken this last year, especially with the upheaval of the strikes and everything else going on, to, to sort of maybe manage their expectations a bit in terms of what is realistic uh, in terms of sales, what is realistic in terms of getting films out there. Um, and again, sort of helping to recalibrate their ideas of what success does mean. And, and as we said, like, for us, We've never had a situation, even in the glory days of you know the 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 absolute pinnacle of the the golden age. Um, not there has never been a year where every single documentary at the festival sells. Like that just it doesn't happen. We love for films to get out there. Um, part part of getting out there may not be an actual sale, but but just doing a really robust festival circuit, um, traveling around, meeting audiences, uh, doing grassroots screenings. Um, television, of course, has always been part and parcel of of nonfiction distribution. So, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I tend to be an optimist and I tend to think that there are audiences for these films and that there will be, as with everything, there are cycles. There will be a time when uh, the marketplace will need these films again and will want to acquire them. Maybe they're not going to acquire them for the same money that they've been acquired they've been acquired in the past, but maybe people have to readjust their ideas of how what their budget should be um, when, when sort of making films and what they uh, should be expecting in terms of, of selling films. That's not to discourage anyone. I just think it's sort of understanding, um, you know, understanding and, and sort of being nimble with how the marketplace works. Um, we know that certain types of films still are doing okay in terms of the larger marketplace. We don't want to just show those films. We show some of them, and we're happy about that. You know, for us as a festival, we have to also think about the larger picture, not just sort of the marketplace, but also the the larger cinema going public and what they want to see and what they're interested in seeing and what we want them to see. That's part of it too. Um, you know, what kind of work, what kind of artists do we want to um, help promote and get their visions out there? So, so for us, it's it's a really complicated answer because there's a lot of different moving parts to it. So it's not just, hey, let's show this film because we know it will sell and we'll get the headline for it. That's not enough for us. We want to believe in a film. We want to we want to support those different voices. And even if that is supporting a film that maybe doesn't seem commercial, that's okay for us. Is that is there, I mean, explaining to the buyers though, look, nobody, if any of us knew what was commercial, I would have done that and I would be in Portugal right now. So, I mean, but part of it is explaining to people, look, I don't know whether this is commercial or not. Nobody, you know, whether it's a Marvel film, no disrespect to Marvel, DC, none of us, but trying to explain to people, is it a necessary film? And, and to your point, I think you make a great point, manage those expectations in terms of budget, whether it's Aquaman, Lost Kingdom, or any other film. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I think that there was a time, I think, and 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 it was arguably uh, understood why this was happening. Filmmakers would see that the streamers would spend a lot of money and they would purchase these films. And so, hey, my budget is now going to be 10 times what it was the, pre the for my first film. Fantastic. That is not necessarily the reality right now. And so there, there may need to be some kind of recalibration, rethinking of, of what um, what that project is going to look like, what your expectations are for it in the marketplace, and and really, you know, again, not to not to stifle anyone, but just to sort of be realistic and sort of think about those things in a different way. I have never programmed a film festival or programmed anything, a computer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Uh, I imagine, broadly speaking, that as programmers, there's sort of two stages to what you do. There's pre-festival event, you're seeing a huge number of films and choosing them, of course, but then those films are getting out into the world and other people are seeing them. I'm just curious for both of you about 
what brings you the greater satisfaction as programmers once the festival starts and people begin to see these films that you've selected? For me, real quick, I'll just jump in. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Sidi has the same answer. For me, it's really like standing on the stage and letting the filmmaker have that moment of presenting their film and seeing what the audience's response is to it. Both, both those things, both the filmmaker's response to the response as well as the audience's response are the, the, the main thing for me. It's not about us being on stage. It's not about the festival at that point, but it's about connecting the film, the storyteller with the audience. Yeah, especially when like we're really lucky too that like we have a lot of subjects to come and to see a film about you, about your life, and then and then they're there to talk about it afterwards is is, is a, a crazy experience that is unmatched in any other place. And sometimes to go to the the other question too about um, the business. I mean, like the films are amazing because they're like also they're they're art and they're a business. But sometimes I think we're losing the art part of it, where like the fact that something that did not exist before is and the way of talking about it and showing it is being created and shared with people is pretty incredible. I mean, I remember J- Jesse and Amanda's film, uh, The Overnighters, we played that film and I, I did the uh, intro for that, intro Q&A for that one. It was a really great experience. That's a film where you're like, what are people going to think about this? <laughs> like, what are people's responses to be? And and I, I think that was one of the best films we, we, we showed in the last, like, you know, 10, 15 years. And to know that they're having, you know, a lone bows and they think they're making great work and that they're having careers like it's just really exciting to know that that we were a smaller yeah i think of yancey ford who's returning to the festival with power yeah and certainly his film strong island is very much what you describe of a revelation in terms of form and content i'll put you on the spot a little bit we're talking 40 years of sundance are there one or two films that you've really played a key role in programming documentaries that you are just super proud, like, yeah, I am so glad I put my hand up and said, yeah, we have to have this in the festival. Yes. I mean, not not to sort of, you know, take that kind of credit or whatever, but like, you know, because again, we 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 can only do what we do because the filmmakers make the film. So we're, we, we play a small part, as Sudeep said. I think that uh, for me, I loved Fire of Love. I, I love that that one was such a breath of fresh air for us um, and was so excited when that when that came through and, um, and res- resonated so much with our audience. I, I was really excited for that. And in general, I didn't have anything to do with it, but like Sundance as an entity over 40 years, um, you know, one of my absolute favorite documentaries of all time, Paris is Burning, um, had its start at the festival as well. And that one is a, a really Im- Im- seminal film for me per- personally. And then one that I go back to time and time again is, is a really important film in, in the world of nonfiction. You know, we're not just being uh, like we're part of a team of people that are picking. So it's like, very hard to say that. Oh, I'm the one, or <laughs> it's very difficult to say that. I mean, like, but I, I was like, you know, one very recently is Navalny, and then now to see a journey, and then we we were able to play it as a film last year in the theater, which we weren't able to do in 2022 because the festival wasn't in person. It was all online, and that screening was pretty uh, special because it was the first screening they actually had in Park City, you know, even after a year after showing it. So it, it, to have them all there, it was, it was a really... Yeah, Alexei Navalny's wife and, and kids were there. Yeah, yeah. no, it was really um, just incredibly moving. And, you know, we're obviously still thinking about them. 
you know, another, another film I just mentioned too, real quickly, it's like Blackfish, you know, oh, like man. I think that was a huge impact. Film, like I remember, yeah. And, and that, and that when we watched that film too, it's like a similar type of thing. Like this is, I had no idea about this, that this was what's happening. And that, that when people will see this, there will be some kind of reaction, some kind of change. And like, you know, those types of experiences I think are very special. Well, it's going to be really, really cool to see what films emerge out of Sundance. We know it'll be, there'll be many great films whether they are acquired or not, it's been wonderful to speak with Basil Tsiokos, the senior programmer at Sundance and Sudeep Sharma, programmer at Sundance. We wish you a very successful 40th Sundance Film Festival. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hiring us. Thank you. Matt, those two, those gentlemen, I could talk to all day. They are terrific. They are well-informed, but they're just cool dudes. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Sundance is coming up. Uh, Matt Carey, I imagine you're going to be up there. Oh, yes. Thrilled about that. Covering it for Deadline, as you've been doing for how long now? Well, um, for Deadline, been covering for three years. And uh, before that, for CNN, for many years. So I've been privileged to go up there in the snow for <laughs> for over 20 years and have great memories of Sundance and incredible films, of course, both the narrative and documentary that have premiered there. I've never... I've been to the Sundance Labs. I, I was invited uh, a couple yeah. times to work with folks, I, which is stunning to me. It was very early in my career. I can't believe anybody invited me. But I've never had the opportunity to go to the festival. You mentioned a couple of films that you're, you're looking forward, both of us. We've talked about Superman. Yance Ford's films coming up, obviously Girls State. Anything else that you're... I mean, I, I'm really excited to see the Will Ferrell film. Anything that you're... I know you're an individual who doesn't necessarily want to put a thumb on a scale, but I'm asking you, dude to dude, anything you're excited about, excited about seeing? Well, there's a, a huge number of films, and I hope I can get to see them all. That seems <laughs> maybe a little bit... Uh, beyond what's possible, but yeah. Gaucho Gaucho, for instance, which is by the filmmakers who did The Truffle Hunters a few years ago, and that was just a magnificent, beautiful film. So I'm really intrigued uh, about that one. Uh, we talked about Love Machina with Basil and Sudeep, and that sounds really, really interesting. There's a film about hummingbirds. I've always mm. loved hummingbirds. Wait, we got wait. a hummingbirds documentary. Wait, I'm sorry. I got We got to pause just for a second. What do you? I love that I'm still learning things about Matt Carey. Just quick, why do you love hummingbirds? Oh, interesting. I wrote a report. I think it was sixth grade. You know, one of those assignments. Write a report about something. I mean, it was probably all of two pages, and I I don't know why I did mine on hummingbirds, and it was formative. A formative experience. Okay. How tiny and amazing they are. It's always stuck with me. So, okay. Pretty excited about those hummingbirds. Yeah. My only experience <laughs> with hummingbirds was having to um, safely and carefully uh, get one out of, out of our house. That, that was about it. So, I would not have a clue how to do that, but I applaud you that you were able to do that safely and for I'm all gonna, involved. I'm going <laughs> to drop this real quick. And the thing that I've discovered is that um, one of those pool cleaners. You can remove hummingbirds. <laughs> you can remove rodents. Ah. You can. They are, and safely. I want to really stress that because yeah. I'm not trying to be on X, having people go after me for not being safe. 
So Matt, I'm not going to see you for a minute. You're going up to Sundance. I know you're going to be reporting from there and you're going to be doing some interviews. I wish you safe travels, my friend. Thank you. It sounds like it's going to be an incredibly, as one would expect, an incredibly robust festival. Have fun. I look forward to your reports. Thank you so much. And as always, Matt, it's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure doing Doc Bach with you. All the best, my friend. Thank you, John. We will be back next week with another edition of the podcast. Mm-hmm.